When I left prison, the Lord had prepared me and had laid the foundation for me to go forward to fulfill what He has called me to in reaching back to a lost and forgotten world of the women in prison. Glad to have you with us now for First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and our guest is Pamela Winderweedle, a former prison inmate who now helps other inmates find peace and healing through Christ. We'll start the interview and have you meet Pamela in just a moment. These First Person programs are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which is a radio ministry found in nearly 50 countries of the world, proclaiming Christ and discipling believers. FEBC finds it effective to always broadcast in the local language, and you can learn more by visiting firstpersoninterview.com. Also at our website, there's a schedule of upcoming programs and an archive of past programs for online listening. To download a program, please use our phone and tablet app available at no cost in your app store. Pamela Winderweedle was a child victim of sexual abuse and became addicted to drugs at an early age, spending much of the first half of her life in prison. But having given her life to Christ, she is a changed person and now ministers to others in prison. Pamela's trouble started when she was victimized as a child. Well, I was sexually abused by my father, actually, and it planted some seeds and... Then it was my uncle and then godfather, and and just my dad was an alcoholic, and my mother, she was a playboy bunny. She would come home late, so she didn't know this was happening. And then when she found out, she quickly threw him out. And shortly after, she, I guess I was nine years old, she met this, he was kind of a hippie. And uh, so I started smoking pot at nine years old. Wow. Okay. Before you go there, let me take you back to the abuse. Okay. Sure. You were so small, you must not even realize what was going on. No, I didn't. And I had a praying grandmother. She she would bring pastors home from church. And this one particular pastor, he laid his hands on me one day, and he said, this one here is special. She's going to do great things for God one day. And it was shortly after that that the sexual abuse started. Mm. And Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think once those hands were laid upon me and the calling started at that age, then Satan came in, and he was just steady, relentless to destroy my life. Wow, you were a target at that point. I was you? indeed, yes. Wow. Why do you suppose children, even when they become aware of how wrong this is, why don't they speak up? Well, my uncle, he threatened my sister and I that he would kill us if we said anything. So it's fear. Fear quickly crept in, and, you know, the trauma just grew greater and greater. And when, when we discovered, the pot, it took us to another place, and I wanted to be in that other place. I didn't want to be where I was. Even though the abuse had stopped, the trauma in my mind was still there, and I lived with it every day. So the drug use was a way of escaping is, what was going yes, on. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when the pot smoking began? Nine years old. Yeah. That seems so unbelievable to to most of us. Yes, indeed, and and— I'm very thankful to God that I've been delivered. 
it it was actually 35 years of drug abuse and i was just running from myself from from that person that was trapped inside at 5 years old and i and i kept trying to numb that pain forever so and i've been delivered 6 years now praise god thank you jesus yes yeah we will get to that part of the story but um how how bad how bad did it get i mean I know it had to be a terrible traumatic time for you. You became addicted to drugs. It, it went beyond marijuana too, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very quickly. At 12 years old, it escalated into um, MDA and acid. And then at 14, I was using cocaine. And I actually got married at 15 to get out of the house to... I was already working and and just it was it was a very dysfunctional home and the guy that took me that I married was actually a friend of the family's for a few years and he took me off and tied me up and oh. choked me raped me if somebody looked at me he would hit me and I finally escaped from that bondage and came back it was just the trauma that happened at five years old, it led me to continually get into dysfunctional behaviors. So I have to imagine your self-esteem was at an all-time low, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. To be de- devalued at such an early age and for those seeds to be planted, it just led to the same – it seemed like it was the same type of man – with a different face throughout. At 17, got into another relationship that was abusive. Pamela, I'm so sorry that you've been through all this, uh, and we will get to the uh, the good part of the story in a few moments. Yes. But if I, if I can just ask you a couple more questions about it, and I know this is part of your testimony, and you're used it to is. talking about it, because it's obviously you're on the other side now, Absolutely. thanks to the Lord. And yes. But um, how long did this go on? Well... I was addicted to cocaine and alcohol for 35 years. I just never could stay numb enough until I realized that, well, it was various times that I would get incarcerated for possession or violation of probation, and that's when I would come back to the Lord. I accepted Christ at 26 and actually had tried to commit suicide and it didn't work, thank God. And I realized at that point, I went to a, a retreat and accepted the Lord. And it seemed like, actually, that's when, believe it or not, that the battle raged even greater for my life. The things that happened from that point on, I have had guns shot at me and made a complete circle around me. The The chair I was sitting in, had holes in it. The picture above me was shattered, and uh, a vehicle was rolled four times, and and I didn't get hurt. And I went through a windshield. Somebody else is driving usually, and I went through a windshield. It sliced my my throat. My face was hamburger meat, and mm. broke two vertebrae. They said I wouldn't walk again. I was in a wheelchair and molded me for a body cast. It, it just. Uh, my liver, I was in the hospital 10 days on the dying ward with my liver, and the Lord has restored every every piece of my body. 
I run now. I I am one of 1% of the Americans with 100% health <laughs> for my <laughs> life insurance. So the Lord does restore. He he yeah. redeems your life. Well, you accepted the Lord in your mid-20s, you said. Yes. But the abuse and the drug use continued. Why why that interim period? What was going on? Well, I I would get to 2 years. 2 years clean and I I was just steady in church. I was going to different churches. I was actually a member of one church and going to these other churches, Monday night, Alcoholic Victorious, Wednesday night was um, a very powerful, spirit-filled church. And then Friday was another. It, it just, I was seeking, I wanted so much to fill up those spaces that had been in drug addiction, I knew that the only thing that would deliver me was the Word of God, hearing the Word and and reading the Word and saying the Word. So once I, I realized that, then I just plugged in as much as I could. But there were too many traumas that happened to me throughout that planted very deep seeds of wounds that mm. only through a process could I be cleansed. And every time that I would go to jail, there were it, it's a time of isolation, a time of of preparation, really it was, because I would get back into the word and even if it was a month, if it was six months, but I would come back so full force and create Bible studies when I was in because the seed was there. There Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I knew that that is the only thing that could heal me and deliver me. So when I would leave jail, I would always have in my mind that it's over, it's done. But the wounds were still there until I got freed of, and and it was a process, you know, until I, I went through different classes and learned that these traumas, they create grooves in my in my mind, in my brain, and until... The process of healing through the word and through biblical counseling and all of these sources, there are so many people in bondage still, just yeah, you like know this. that, right? And they right. think that they're living their lives clean and sober, but this clean and sober is a dry sober until the mm. wound gets healed. They, they, it may be a long period of time, but it's inevitable that yeah. they'll go back. That's why you are uniquely equipped to help others. We'll get to that part of the story, Pamela, but what was the big breakthrough for you? When did you finally find that healing in Christ? Well, I went to prison. I went to prison in 2010, and I just totally said, Lord, I surrender all. I don't want to get out. I don't want to leave until it's gone. Deliver you were safe me. in prison. yes. I Say said, from yourself. Yeah, I, I said, deliver me. It was a place of refuge. It was a place of solitude that I could come back to him. When I left prison, the Lord had prepared me and delivered me of all the old, the root causes, all the traumas, and had laid the foundation for me to go forward in the preparation to fulfill what he has called me to in reaching back to a lost and forgotten world of the women in prison. We'll continue talking with Pamela Winderweedle about the change Christ has made in her life, coming up on First Person. 
Our partner in bringing you these weekly interviews is the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC broadcasts in nearly 50 countries of the world, always in the local language, while teaching God's Word. Many dedicated broadcasters in each country are giving their lives to share the gospel message and its declaration of hope and salvation through Christ. To learn more about FEBC and its unique ministry broadcasting in often hard-to-reach places, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com and click on the FEBC banner. My guest today is Pamela Winderweedle. Uh, Pamela has a powerful story of redemption. The Lord worked in her life, and after a, a lifetime of abuse and drug abuse, uh, sexual abuse and drug abuse, the Lord has healed her, and now she's reaching back to other women going through difficult times. Pamela, it's great to have you on the program here today. You wrote a poem while you were in prison. I wonder if you wouldn't share that with us right now. Yes, thank you. It's called The Confrontation Within. There is an intention for something far greater, something that runs counter to my conscience. It's struggling to make itself known. I must confront the fears that try to keep me on the seat of anxiety so that my true self may come to its fullness in reality. My ego keeps me running from myself, and I don't want to admit it. I am a battle within, or am I within the battle? This force, this force, where does it come from? Where must it go? I must confront the demons within to unfold the greatness of true self without sin. Is this who God has created? The confrontation within has to be met with boldness, with authority, with faith and truth. Who holds that truth? Do you know? One thing is for sure, only in him can I truly grow. Lord, teach me to battle. Teach me to win. Teach me to conquer the confrontation within. Well, I I want to point out to our radio listeners that since we are doing this interview online, I can see you. You are not reading that, Pamela. No. You have re- you have uh, memorized that because it, it's you feel it so deeply, don't you? It's a part of me now. Yes. That's amazing. And every line of it has profound meaning. If you listen to it over and again, it is totally from the Lord. I've never written a poem before, nor after that <laughs> poem. I actually joined a creative writing class in the very first day we were asked to bring back a poem, and Wait a I raised this class my is hand. in prison. Yes, in prison, and I said, "I've never written a poem. I don't know how to write a poem. That's why I'm here, <laughs> so I can learn to write more creatively." I can't imagine how difficult uh, going to prison is, but it sounds like it was what you needed. What the Lord, how it the Lord provided was for you, indeed, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, I don't look at it as a bad thing. Well, you developed such a heart for those who are struggling and for those in prison that you created a ministry. Talk, talk about the motivation for doing what you do, and, and what do you do, and how do you go about it? Okay. Well, I started it on 10-10-10 while I was in prison, and it started with the Daughters of Zion, Women of God Using Your Time Wisely, while I was in. And I saw the need. I, I started realizing the women were coming up to me after class, and they were saying, well, you don't know what it's like. This happened to me. And another lady would, the next day, she would say, well, you don't know what it's like. That happened to me. And another lady, oh, I did this. And I realized I have done all of those things or have 
they've been done to me. Mm. I've experienced so many similarities to so many of these women. I mean, I haven't stabbed somebody or, you know, done really horrific things. But as I look back, I look at the women that were, they were drug induced. They were fighting back to their boyfriend or husband or defending their child. And, and there's so many countless stories of women in there that people have no idea. They look at somebody that has a murder charge in there and they think, oh, well, she's a bad person. Yeah. And they just write them off, huh? Yes. And some of these women were defending their children. They were maybe getting raped themselves continually or beaten and they had enough. There's so many countless stories you would not even couldn't fathom in your mind some of these stories of these women. What are you able to do to encourage them to uh, to talk to the to them about the Lord? We email them. There's an email system called JPay that allows us to email them, send them cards, e-cards, and uh, we do send actual cards of encouragement. We send spring packages, Christmas packages. We send devotionals and books and. Whatever we can do to encourage them to know that they are not a forgotten world in there. They are loved. They are still valuable. Just because they did a mistake doesn't mean they are a mistake. Hmm. Can you think of a specific person right now that's in prison that you have encouraged? And what are they saying back to you? Oh, goodness. I have countless letters that without my encouragement throughout these years that they would have committed suicide or they would not have made it. There there are so many that actually do. There was a lady when I was in, she had slit her throat and she was in line. She was in the infirmary for a long period of time, but she was in line and she heard that I was leaving. And she said, please, don't forget me. She said, everybody has forgotten me. And she's one of the special people that I continue to email and send letters. And But uh, I also get other people involved to write them and send them encouragement because we need that. Every person on the outside needs the encouragement of another person. Why? Why wouldn't they, especially in this prison? Well, God has given you such a heart uh, for these women. What is your ministry called, and, and where does that name come from? Chebar, C-H-E-B-A-R, Ministries. It's derived from Ezekiel 1-3. It says, As I was with the captives by the river Chebar, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. How about that? A verse we've skipped over so many times, and you have found something very profound there. Yes, yes, the Lord led me to it. So what is the um, the level of access do you have? You mentioned JPay, the uh, electronic mail situation. So mm-hmm. that yes. gives you access. Are you able to visit? Are you able to – what are you able to do? Well, I, I do go into prisons and jails. I have done that and continue to do that. Um, what we're working on right now is a workbook to actually have implemented into the prison. I would like to – one of my goals is to – actually go into the prison with this workbook and have a class. I would like to do a couple of days a week, at least one. 
So we have the open doors with the governor and the lieutenant governor, Cagle. He loves this program. This is in the state where you live. That's uh, Georgia, yes. correct? Mm-hmm, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've been to the Pardons and Parole and the Department of Corrections, and they're open to this as well. Do you work with any other Christian organizations that have a similar mission? Yes. I work with WOW Ministries. She has a domestic violence ministry, uh, union missions, um, we have several that, okay. that we work with, yes. What can listeners do who feel perhaps that they may be called to a jail ministry or prison ministry? What, what are some of the steps that you would advise? Contact someone in your, in your local city, or you can contact us. Um, the website is chabarministries.org, or just Department of Corrections. Um, there, there are just countless ways. I would, I would recommend going to the chaplains in in the jails. There are AA communities. There are Celebrate Recovery. That's one of the the things that we focus on. Is uh, it's a twelve step with Jesus as the basis. So it's uh, it's very strong. But just any outlet that you can get involved with, because they're coming out. They're they're in. I'd like to also add that about 85% of the women that are incarcerated have gone through sexual abuses. Mm, that's astounding. It is. Pamela, in the time remaining, I want to return to your personal story. Uh, talk about the Lord today in your life and the work he's done. You must look back on your life and just just praise him. I do. Uh, continually for how you've been rescued and, and saved yes. from that life and that past that you had. Well, he is a suddenly guide. He is indeed. And just when we think that uh, we are going in one direction, the Lord opens another direction, another door. And and he continues to do that in my life. And he just recently brought the most wonderful man mm-hmm. into my life. And Yep. He's a friend of mine. And congratulations on your, your upcoming marriage. Thank you. Thank you so much. The key for me has been the renewing of the mind, and it's only through the Word of God, and and telling your story to another person. I actually had to, and the Holy Spirit told me to do this when I was in, give myself permission to heal. Give myself permission to go back to the old wounds and the old memories and let them come to the surface. Because without that and without the fire being able to to reach that, there is no healing. There is no, and, and it's painful. People are like, no, I don't want to deal with it. It's past. I'm going to forget about it. You are not going to forget about it. It cannot be forgotten. It is in your subconscious and it will alter the course of your life. It does that. That is its key source is to do that. Well, we've just heard Pamela Winderweedle's story of faith in Christ that rescued her life. Pamela's prison outreach now is called Shabar Ministries, and we'll place a link on our program website, firstpersoninterview.com. Follow that link for more about Pamela's story and what you can do to help. Please take an extra minute to say thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company for all they do to proclaim the gospel in nearly 50 countries of the world. FEBC is a partner with us here on First Person, and I urge you to pray for this great ministry, which means so much to me and countless millions of listeners who hear about Jesus Christ and His love for them. Go to firstpersoninterview.com for more about FEBC. Next week, our guest will be Stefan Radulich, president of Feed the Hungry, an organization committed to providing a full life in Christ to many hungry and hurting children. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back next time 
for first person.